on the radio what we do every Monday. I'm going to give you some scores, and then we're going to get into some news and updates. Then we may take a little break. We may get right into it. So stay tuned, and we'll see what goes on, how we play this out. But right now, I'm going to give you some scores and some updates, and then, yeah, that's what we'll do. I'll give you some scores and some updates, then we'll take a quick break, and then we'll come back. But we're here, right here. Sports Rap Podcast is the group. You can catch me right here on Facebook. So here we go. Yesterday's NBA scores. The Pacers beat the Heat uh, 109-106 in overtime. The Thunder beat the Rockets 114-112. The Pelicans beat the Nuggets 113-108. The Magic fall to the Celtics 112-96. The Bulls outlast the Pistons 100 to 86. The Wizards fall to the Nets 113 to 106. The Raptors fall to the Cavaliers 116 105. The Sixers just get by the Knicks in overtime in the Garden 101 to 100. The Lakers fall to the Suns 111 94, and the Mavs defeat the Blazers 132 to 92. What's going on, Frank? Uh, in yesterday's NHL game, there was one game postponed. The Devils and the Penguins, that game was postponed. Uh, a pros- more than likely due to some COVID issues. Um, in other games, the Devils defeat the Penguins 2-1. to one. The Panthers fall to the Lightning 5-3. The Golden Knights fall to the Kings 3-1. And the Predators outlast the Stars 4-3. Going to go through some spring training baseball scores. Real quick, the Pirates defeat the Red Sox 9-4. The Twins put something on the Orioles 12-7. That's right, Lynch. (laughs) Good morning, my friend, Lynch Mob. If you don't win it all, you lose it all. I I can somewhat agree with that. Uh, The Mets beat the Nationals 6-2. The Phillies fall to the Tigers 5-3. The Braves beat up on the Rays 11-1. The Astros uh, fall to the Marlins 4-2. The Yankees beat the Blue Jays 8-3. The Giants put something on the Dodgers 10-4. The Reds uh, fall to the Cubs 11-6. The Rangers fall to the Indians 7-2. The Rockies lose to the Royals 6-1. The Padres defeat the Angels 4-1. They play to a tie, the White Sox and the Diamondbacks. And the Mariners defeat the Brewers 3-1. Those are your scores from yesterday's action. And I'll give you the NCAA scores when we move on and get into talking about that bracket. Um, As far as we know in news and updates, Marquette has fired uh, Steve Wojciechowski um, as their head coach of basketball. Juju Smith-Schuster is set to return to the Steelers, and it's reported that he turned down more money from the Philadelphia Eagles. I have to look into that to get you more information on that story. But don't worry, I'm on the job. Uh, Again, like I mentioned, there are more lawsuits uh, filed against Deshaun Watson. And I think that's really funny, but we're going to talk about that. The total now is believed to be at seven. Sean Bradley, former number one pick in the NBA, uh, former Philadelphia 76ers player, has been left paralyzed due to following, rather, a January motorcycle accident. The Heat have traded Myers Leonard to the Thunder following his anti-Semitic comments. There are reports going around uh, as we are approaching the trade deadline that Kyle Lowry may be dealt 
at the deadline. We'll keep our eye on that and let you know what goes on there. Uh, LeBron James injured his ankle, a high ankle sprain. He is out indefinitely. Stanford women's basketball coach Tara Vanderveer calls out the NCAA for blatant sexism. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. And Raptors coach Nick Nurse was fined 50000 for throwing his mask. And that is your news, your scores, and your updates. We're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into this NCAA bracket, talk about that and how the upsets have ruined brackets from the beginning, from the first round. And we'll get into how the first half of the Sweet 16 played out, and we'll look forward to or get you preview, get you a preview of the upcoming games today for the completion of the Sweet 16. It's your boy D, Sports Rap, right here on Heat 100 Radio, Facebook, Sports Rap Podcast. Be right back at you in just a few minutes. The Sports Rap Podcast right here on Heat100Radio.com. Also on Facebook, we are live. The group page is Sports Rap Podcast, as you know. And if you don't know, you should know. But we are here. It's your boy D. And we are now going to get into talking about this month's or this year's March Madness. Um, like we mentioned last week, post-selection uh, show last Sunday, that we didn't have a tournament last year. And we've had one this year, which is great. Like I also mentioned, this is one of my favorite times of the year as far as sports are concerned because it is true, it is usually and always, well it's not always, mostly true to what they nicknamed it. Um, the NCAA tourna tournament is what it's called, but it's nicknamed March Madness. And again, it is mostly true to the madness. I think... This year so far has been the best uh, to the word of madness because, like I mentioned um, in the intro, there have been upsets from round one. And I'm sure a lot of people have brackets that were pretty much shot in round one. And, and that doesn't usually happen very often. Uh, people usually get usually are pretty good through the first round of uh, 64 or 68 with the first four, then the round of 64. And you get into the round of 32, where usually things start to happen. But like I mentioned, this year, excuse me, those things happened in round one. So as we speak right now, we are looking forward to completing uh, the Sweet 16 with games today, and I'll give you those games in just a few seconds. Um, after that, we'll get into some Carson Wentz, some Eagles stuff, and then we'll close out the show today with some Sixers stuff and hopefully get some news and talk a little bit about the trade deadline and things of that nature. But again, just to give you the teams that have already advanced to the Sweet 16, you have Baylor will face off against Nova, and these games are coming up uh, March 27th and 28th. Okay, uh, Baylor, Nova, Arkansas, 
one of the surprises, the huge surprise and the upset who probably have ruined some people's brackets. Oral Roberts are now is now into the Sweet 16. Loyola Chicago is doing their magic. Sister Jean is working her mojo again. Oregon State, Syracuse, and Houston. And today's games, too, round out the Sweet 16. And we're looking at the West and the East regionals. Yesterday, we had the South region and the Midwest region. So here we go. We've got Oregon and Iowa at 12:10 on CBS. You have Oklahoma and Gonzaga at 2:40 on CBS. Abilene Christian, another surprise, will go up against UCLA at 5:15 on TBS. Ohio faces off against Creighton, 6:10 TNT. LSU and Michigan, 7:10 on CBS. Colorado, Florida State, 7:45 TBS. Maryland and Alabama uh, at 8:45 on TNT. And closing out. The games tonight, USC will face off against Kansas at 9.40 p.m. on CBS. So getting back to this, the NCAA tournament um, it is always looked upon as one of the best times in sports. Um, for us guys that are truly basketball fans or anyone that is truly a basketball fan, college basketball fan you kind of chomp at the bit to get to march madness for one it's basketball college basketball and at this point it's the one and done tournament so you either got to bring your a game or you'll be getting back on that plane getting back on that bus and going back home going back to school whatever but again we always look for the upsets the surprises um and this goes all the way back it's a full gamut. It goes all the way back to the selection show where you sit and you anticipate teams are biting the nails, sitting on the edge of their seats, um, waiting to see if they get in, where they get seated, and who they play in the first round. But this year, there have been, like I said, some, some crazy upsets. Like I said, Loyola Chicago uh, is still an upset, but it's not that much of a surprise. They made a name for themselves, for themselves two years ago. And like I just mentioned, um, Sister Jean must be working her mojo again because they have now advanced into the Sweet 16. You have Houston, which is not that much of a surprise. They were a number two seed, but they were surprised throughout the season, and they represented that by and earned it by getting a number two seed in the region. So they've moved on. Syracuse has been a little bit of a surprise. Um, they played pretty good down the stretch. And they are now advanced into the Sweet 16 with two upsets. Um, shout out to my guys, Chris Adams, Chuck EA, two Syracuse fans that I definitely know. They've been giving me the, you know what, because my boys went out in the first round, North Carolina. I'm a true, true North Carolina Tar Heel fan. We went out in the first round, lost to Wisconsin. That kind of screwed my bracket up because I didn't have them when I had them losing to Baylor of course, in the second round. But nonetheless, we didn't get through. And, you know, I, I understand uh, how things played out with COVID issues. And my team just wasn't as good as it normally is. I can be a true fan and wholeheartedly say that. They were not as good as they usually are, not as good as we expected. They struggled throughout the season. They made a push late in the season and in the ACC tournament to get in. 
but it just wasn't enough. I'm pretty much thinking that they ran out of gas uh, down the stretch and moving into the March Madness. Oral Roberts is one of the surprises um, this year. Uh, like a few years back, they had Florida Gulf Coast, who was a shocker. And I think this is kind of shaping up very similar to that for Oral Roberts. Uh, in the first round, they were 15 seed. They defeated number two Ohio State in the first round. And then they get to the second round, playing number seven, Florida, and they beat them and they advance into the Sweet 16. So shout-outs to them for, for moving on and being uh, representing their school in the, in the uh, tournament and now into the Sweet 16. They are playing great basketball. Like, a lot of us basketball heads, basketball junkies know this tournament is heavy, heavily, very heavily weighted on your guard play. It's a known fact. And a lot of people might not admit that. Not a, lot of, a lot of people may not agree with that. But as far as I've seen since I've been in def and definitely in tune with the March Madness and style of play of these teams that get in and play, it's a lot of guard play that ends up being shown or being displayed. A lot of great guard play that gets displayed um, in this tournament. Um, we can go back and say, look at, Davidson, the year Steph Curry was there and what he did in the tournament to make a name for himself and put Davidson on the map and look at his career now in the NBA. And, you know, this tournament, again, is heavily uh, based on your guard play. I mean, you can have bigs that will dominate at times in certain situations or whatever, but when it all boils down to it, if you don't have good guard play, you will struggle and you may even get bumped out sooner than you think so again tonight's games um will be on the gamut of channels as usual tbs tnt cbs and they tonight's games will complete out will fill out the final half of the sweet 16 and those games will be played on march 27th and march 28th to move into the elite eight one more time folks we're going to take a quick break um, I'm talking to some other people trying to get some things worked out so I can go live on air. And I just wanted to get this out and get this done because it's very, it's right at the top of my mind. It's very prevalent right now. And a lot of people are excited about it. And a lot of people have been talking about the upsets. Uh, just looking ahead, I gave you the games, but some of the other teams that are being uh, surprises and may even eventually get called that Cinderella like they like to use. Ohio, University of Ohio, uh, number 13 seed is now into looking to get into the Sweet 16. Uh, let's see. It's Abilene Christian, another team that's surprising. So there are a few surprises left, and we'll see what happens tonight moving into tomorrow when I give you scores and updates for the final half of the Sweet 16. It's your boy D. You're tuned in to Sports Rap, Facebook, Sports Rap Podcast, the group page, right here, right now, taking another break. When I come back, I'm going to get into the Eagles stuff, like I mentioned. I'm going to talk about some of the comments that Carson Wentz made about his last time, his last season here in Philadelphia, where he said it wasn't fun, things of like that. So stay tuned, people. It's going to get 
interesting. Um, I have some thoughts and some opinions about some of the things he said, but we'll definitely talk about that on the other side in just a few minutes. It's your boy D. You are tuned in to Sports Rap. We'll see you in just a few seconds on the other side. delve into our Eagles talk. And like I mentioned to you, um, I'm going to give you some updates on what the Eagles have done so far in free agency. And then we'll move into some things that are going on with Carson Wentz. Like I said, he has finally spoken. And some of the comments that were made, ah, what's going on, Tay, what's happening, my bro? Uh, some of the comments that were made by uh, Carson Wentz kind of gave me a little different feeling um, about him and how he is and some of the things that he says. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, real quickly, some of the moves that have already been made by the Eagles after, you know, I've been reporting how Howie has been restructuring contracts to get them some space in the cap to do some things. Um, they have agreed to terms to a one-year deal worth $5 million for safety Anthony Harris, formerly of the Minnesota Vikings, who has played under the newly minted Eagles uh, defensive coordinator. Uh, there's a Foles trade. There's still talk about this Foles trade with the Bears. These talks are still ongoing, so don't completely rule out a return of Nick Foles. Um, they also signed running back Adrian Killens and safety Andrew Adams, formerly of the world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have officially released Alshon Jeffrey and Malik Jackson, and they are scheduled to meet with former Titans quarter cornerback Adoree Jackson today. So, what I wanted to get into, uh, before I do that, let me just give what uh, some things. There are 10 players that um, have been projected that the Eagles could possibly look at and possibly afford. And some of these players are, I'm just going to give you the name and the former teams or the teams that they most recently played with in their position. Uh, Dan Arnold, the tight end from the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and I'll give you their age to go with the Eagles when they think they want to go with the youth movement now. He's 25. Garyon Conley, another cornerback from the Houston Texans at age 25. Malik Hooker, a safety from the Colts, uh, who also has played under or has some familiarity with new Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni. DeMonte Kazi, a safety from the Falcons. And then there are five new guys um, that have emerged. Also, uh, Jamal Agnew, a kick returner, punt returner from the Lions. Uh, new guys, uh, let's see, Marcus Mariota, quarterback from the Raiders. There's been some talk about him, but I'm guessing that might depend on what happens with the talks with Chicago and the Nick Foles situation. Uh, Duke Johnson, the running back uh, from the Texans, but I think he's already agreed to terms with someone else already. Then there's Eric Wilson, the linebacker from the Vikings, and Tontano, oh, can we mess this name up, Pasagnon, an edge rusher from the Kansas City Chiefs. So all of these guys um, that I just mentioned are fit into that bill of the youth movement that the Eagles are looking to try and progress with. Um, <laughs> yeah, what's up, uh, Quan? Thanks for tuning in, Cuzzo. A uh, good friend of mine, Tavius Green, he says, uh, no Falcon safeties, the pass defense suck. Well, they whole team pretty much suck, Tay. So, um, but 
You never know. It could be a change of scenery that might help. And I have to slightly applaud the Eagles um, in the names that I mentioned and what they've already done because now it appears that they are addressing uh, some of the holes. Um, they've addressed that secondary. They, uh, Like I said, the safety from Anthony Harris from the uh, Vikings, and they're looking, t and they also a safety from the Buccaneers, Andrew Adams, and then they're supposed to meet with another cornerback of Dory Jackson today. So they're attempting that, and they also have a linebacker on that list, and I've been hearing that um, they are looking to bring in some other linebackers to kind of put more value and shore up that linebacking core. So little, little glimpse of sunlight uh, there for the Eagles and, and, and progressing on, you know. And like I said, Howie freeing up some cap space. Maybe they can get some things done. It's not much, but like I said, a small bit of applause because they are addressing some needs. And hopefully this will make their draft uh, a little bit easier in what um, they need to accomplish. So getting back to what I mentioned, and I want to talk about this because, I, I like I said, um, some of the comments that he made in my opinion, really didn't clear anything up in that whole situation uh, with Carson Wentz uh, wanting to be traded or eventually being traded to the Indianapolis Colts. So just to start out, one of the things that he said uh, was that he felt the beginning of the end of his five-year career in Philadelphia came when he was benched in Week 13 uh, against the Green Bay Packers. Um, after that, we know he didn't play another snap for the Eagles. And two months later, he was traded for a third-round pick in this year's draft and a conditional second-round pick in the 2022 draft. Uh, some of the things that he says, and I quote, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It wasn't fun, end quote. He also goes on to say, it's not fun when things were going well for years and all those things. As a man, you have to look yourself in the mirror and learn from it and become a better man, better player. Keep that in mind. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. He says, as a man, you have to look yourself in the mirror and learn from it and become a better man, a better player. It wasn't fun. It was difficult. But I did everything I could to be supportive of Jalen Hurts and my teammates. Well, well, well. To the contrary, we've heard a lot of different things about him and him being a teammate, good or bad, whatever the case may be. But that one part I want to touch on, it says, as a man, you have to look yourself in the mirror and learn from it and become a better man, a better player. Well, in my opinion, just breaking down those particular words, I don't really think he did that. In, in an instance at that level where he oftentimes labeled himself as a competitor, really didn't. I really don't think that you really looked yourself hard in the mirror. Uh, I agree with what was said, the actual words, where when things get bad, you got to look yourself in the mirror, own up to your part of it, and then be that competitor and try to fix things or or whatever. In this particular instance, he was just wanting it out. Um, he didn't play 
the last four games. Uh, Jalen Hurts started those last four games of the season. And he says, you know, you become a better man from it, a better player. I think he took the easy way out in asking or requesting a trade to get a new start. Uh, of course, it wasn't fun. It's never fun when you're playing bad as, a, as an individual or as a unit. It's never fun. But you have to own up to your role in the entire situation, which is one of the things I've been saying since this whole nonsense began, where I didn't feel like he was truly owning up to his role in this situation. And it doesn't look like he still has. He says he has to own up to it. Well, he says you grow from it. You have to make yourself a better player and a better man. Like I said, I think he took the easy way out by requesting and asking for a trade and wanting to remove himself from the situation. You were benched because you were not playing well. All, I mean, the team was not playing well on a whole the entire season, if you will. But you as the quarterback were not playing well and it finally got to that week, week 13, where the coaching staff decided we're going to try something different, try to get a spark. And that's all because of how the way this division, the Eagles NFC East division, played out. Um, it was a very bad division, as we saw. But up until week 16, the Eagles were still in the hunt to win the division. So as a coach myself, a former coach myself, I understand the thought process of the Eagles coaching staff at that, at that particular time and feeling like they needed to make a change to maybe try and get a spark. Maybe they could sneak into the playoffs and try and do something and improve on that. Uh, Octavius Green says, I never had a fun job. Go hard or go home. He said he's soft as drugstore cotton. I, <laughs> I, I, I hear you. Um, I'm not going to go as far and say that. I, I do will say that there is some softness there, like I said, because you didn't own up to what you what your part was, your role was in the whole situation. You were playing poor. And that happens in the sports world a lot. In sports, you're not playing well, you get benched. Then it's a you have to take it upon yourself. Like he like the words he put out, now if he truly meant it, I still don't believe it, but he put it out there. You have to take it upon yourself to get that job back. That's where your competitive nature comes in. Uh, I honestly believe that if he had been here, like I mentioned a few weeks back, that there probably would have been an open competition because of what he did throughout the season. And like they say, you know, the NFL stands for not for long, and it is always that, what have you done for me lately? So him just wanting to remove himself from the situation I think he doesn't want to own up to his role. I don't see that in my eyes as being a good teammate. I feel like you bailed on the guys because, in my opinion, you guys didn't have a good season, and most of you are still here. I just feel like, as a former player and as a coach, you want to stick around with these guys and prove to them or, or show them that you're all in, that you want to try and get better with 
the same group or the majority of the same group that you didn't do so well with. He didn't want that. He didn't do that. He asked for a trade and ultimately got traded to the uh, Indianapolis Colts. And he, he goes on and he talks about how his familiarity with Frank Reich um, helped him along the way. Yes, but things happen in, in, in the NFL and in professional sports. And as a coach, and you see that in that situation that Frank Reich was in, he had a very successful season. The Eagles won a Super Bowl that year, yada, yada, yada. He was interviewed for a head coaching position, which is every assistant coach's dream, I'm sure, in any sport, any level, any sport. You want to end up being that head coach. And a lot of times, those opportunities are far and few. So when you get that opportunity, you have to take it. So as players... And you have to understand the business side of that and that particular point. Those opportunities are far and few. So when you get that opportunity, you like you it's a no-brainer that you have to take it. But as a player, if your coach leaves, then that gives you the opportunity to make a name for yourself and somewhat get away from the mold or get away from the grips of people or people saying that coach was the one that got him to where he was ultimately we know the players have to get on the field and play so when that coach leaves now you have every opportunity to perform and take that stigma if you will off of yourself and be the, the quarterback or the player that you wanted to be that you dreamt to be as a child and getting that point getting to that point as a professional and being that professional and moving on and still having a solid career or a good career. Obviously, we saw how the Eagles season went. He did not do that. And again, I keep going back to it. And my only opinion, my only gripe is the fact that he has not, in my opinion, truly owned up to the role he played in that entire situation. If you go back and you look at that season, and again, I say it, I felt like he should have been benched for a little bit as well. I just felt like it should have happened sooner in the season or earlier in the season where he could have had a chance to redeem himself within the season. So now he has to go to an entire new franchise, an entirely new city, and try to reintroduce himself once again. Will it happen? Maybe, maybe not. We're still yet to see. But with all the other things mixed in with the Eagles season, I just felt like he bailed. And him saying that he tried to be supportive as he could to Jalen Hurts and his teammates, I'm not buying that. Because if you were, if you were claiming to be supportive, then you would have stuck it out and at least came back this coming season and if it didn't work out this season coming then you might think about look maybe i need to move on or whatever you know but again it's still um what i said i i just don't buy the sincerity i don't feel any sincerity in the words that he put out there um he says now these are some things some just some topics and what he said on particular issues that came about last season. 
One of them was on his terrible play in 2020. He basically says, and I quote, last year came and went. It was a tough year for everybody. Last year didn't go the way I envisioned it. You're really not saying much there. Um, you really didn't address the actual topic on your terrible play. You just said basically last year came and went. So you're basically throwing this idea under the rug, this thought process. You didn't really give uh, a clear definition of what could have possibly caused your poor play. You just went on and you say it was a tough year for everybody. Of course, because you were losing. It's never tough. It's never easy when you're losing. It's always fun when you're winning as far as sports are concerned. It's always fun when you're winning. But when you start losing, that's when you have to have the adversity and the wherewithal to gather yourself, gather with your teammates, and try to make improvements the following season or the next game or the next week or whatever. Right here, he hasn't done that. He hasn't owned up to anything about his poor play, in my opinion. Uh, he also goes on to say it wasn't fun again. And again, like I said, he has to make take as a man, you have to look yourself in the mirror, learn from it, become a better man, become a better player. Not going to lie, it wasn't fun. It was difficult. Of course, we all know it was difficult, Carson. It was a bad season. We saw the games. We saw your play. So we know it was difficult. It's always difficult when you struggle. But as a professional athlete, you have to take some pride and put the onus on yourself sometimes and try to make things better. It didn't look like he did that throughout the season, hence he got benched later on down the line. But you're saying that you have to look yourself in the mirror. I don't feel that you did. Because again, like I said, you still are not owning up to your role and giving <clears throat> some type of explanation on your poor play. You're just kind of giving it the, the gray area. It was difficult for everybody. You know, it was tough. We all know that. We saw how the season played out. We know it was tough. But you as a player have to use your own words and take it upon yourself and analyze you looking yourself in the mirror and own up and fess up and say, I didn't play so well or whatever. He still has not said that at all. He's basically going on the fact that it wasn't fun. It was a tough year and it was difficult. That That's a given, like I said, because we know how the season played out. Dennis Lynch, thanks for tuning in. I'm sure you are enjoying this. And looking yourself in the mirror, you have to put that onus on yourself. and You have to acknowledge your role. In the situation. Um, on when he wanted out of Philly. He said in the Green Bay game. Like I mentioned earlier. He had no idea if he was going to start. Be on the bench. All of, things, all of those things go through your mind. Again. Those are all reasons. For you to get your. In gear. And get yourself back in that rhythm. Get yourself back on the field. You talk about you didn't know. If you were going to start again or be on the bench, in my opinion, the way you played, you should have been on the bench for a little while. And I'm necessarily not necessarily saying he should have been benched for those entire four games. Like I always mentioned, I felt like it should have been it should have happened sooner in the season or earlier in the season where he could have been benched a game or two, 
and then put back in. And then if it didn't work, then you bench it again and you move on. But for you to say, I had no idea if I was going to be going to start be on the bench. All those things go through your mind. Of course they go through your mind when you're not playing well and you get benched. But you got benched for a reason. You didn't, Doug, Doug Peterson didn't just wake up one day and say, oh, we playing Green Bay today. All right, uh, Carson's going to get benched. He didn't. As much as I criticize Doug on his consistencies and his inconsistencies in his game planning and his adjustments throughout games, I honestly don't believe he just woke up and said, oh, I'm going to bench Carson today. He's not playing well. I, I think he might have felt like in that moment they had an opportunity where they could have gotten back into that game, and he wanted to bring a spark to the team. He did bring a little spark. They, they got back in that game. They just didn't get over the hump. Okay? But as a player, for you to say that, of course that's going to go through your mind when you're playing poorly. But, but in that, you still have not acknowledged that you played poorly. That's where I have a problem. You still have not owned up to your role in this entire situation. And I know people, I keep saying it that way, but that's my whole issue with this entire situation. At some point, you have to take ownership and take accountability for what you did and how you performed. You have to. Uh, on whether he demanded a trade, and I quote, After the season, a lot of conversations with my agent back and forth and those type of things. It wasn't the season everyone envisioned. It wasn't how I envisioned it. I am not going to delve too much into those conversations. Um, as far as being a competitor, I've never once questioned my competitiveness. But at the end of the day, this was outside of my control. I, I really don't believe that. I know where I'm at today, and for five years, I gave everything I had on and off the field. Uh, Dennis Lynch chimes in and he says, Blame management. They overpaid a QB. That is a damn good backup, I'm assuming you meant, George Lynch. Um, he lacks the heart and the attitude. I kind of agree with that there. Like I said, even with on whether he demanded a trade, never gave what I just wrote the quote. He, he never gave you a clear answer. He's shying away from it. He said he doesn't want to delve into it. But then he goes on and he says he knows where he is today. And for five years, he gave everything he had on and off the field. In my opinion, if you claim to be, to have given everything you had on and off the field, you would have tried, excuse me, to talk to some people during the season, own up to your poor play, and try and get a read or try and figure out or come to some type of decision how you can perform better. That never happened. Okay. He says there was a lot of back and forth conversations with his agents, with his agent. And he goes back into, it wasn't a season everybody envisioned. I mean, listen, you're in professional sports. Nobody goes into a professional season or any season that matter and envisions themselves being four and something. 
Nobody ever envisions going into a season, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna play for the bottom of the barrel. Nobody does that at any level of sports. Even if you deep down and wholeheartedly believe it as an individual, you never go into a season envisioning or looking forward to being the worst in the division, the bottom of the barrel. You always have expectations. And again, you're not answering any of these questions. You're shying away from it all. Um, he also goes in, he says he's a competitor. Now he says, I'm not human. Um, he says, I am not a perfect human. I've made mistakes in the past. I have flaws. I am going to do everything I can to be the best I can be. Yes, with another team. So you bail on the guys that you started out with. The franchise that put their trust in you and paid you to move on to another team to start over. So you basically just jump ship. And again, still not giving any onus or taking any accountability to how you performed your last season here. He goes in and he says, if any of my teammates think I wasn't the best teammate, I apologize and wish I could be better. You could have been better by staying and trying to be better as a player and a unit with this group here. Did not do that. He wanted to move on. They always say pressure bust pipes. That pipe burst. As a Philadelphian, as a Philadelphia sports fan, we know it's tough. We are tough on our sports players. So you have to have thick skin to play here. Obviously, after five years in, he has proven that he does not have the thick skin needed to play in a city like this. Hopefully, things will be better for him in Indianapolis. Still yet to see. But in my opinion, you say you apologize and you wish you could be better. You could have been better if you gave it at least one more shot here with these teammates or with these guys that you so-called called teammates. On Jalen Hurts, he says Jalen and him had a good relationship and he wished the kid nothing but the best. He also goes on to say he trusted Howie and the ownership there to make the best decisions for the team and they showed me nothing but confidence and trust. I don't think had an influence. I don't think that had an influence on me one way or another. Obviously it did because you wanted to be traded and you ended up being traded. So obviously that had something that had a role in it. Uh, he also goes on. He says, I'll be honest. I didn't know I have been called washed up yet. That's a new one to me. I'm not buying that. I'm sure you've heard that. Um, for five years, he said he gave everything he had. When he lie my when I lie my head on that pillow at the end of the night, I know I gave it everything I ever had. Maybe, in your opinion, you feel so. That's fine. But as a Philadelphia fan, somewhat speaking for other Philadelphia fans, you didn't because you didn't stick it out. You, in my opinion, you kind of owed it to Philadelphia. To give them one more shot. After the way you fed us in the beginning. 
the way your play was in the beginning. And then you had a slow, steady decline going down the stretch to your ultimately being moved on to another team. If you felt like you gave it your all, you gave it your best, I feel like you should have stuck around for at least one more season and gave it a shot. Try to bring things up. Try to recoup and get better with this organization. So those are a lot of the things that Carson Wentz said. And, yeah, they might not have wanted to give him another shot. Like I said, Tate, I kind of agree with that as well. Uh, And it showed where they actually worked and facilitated a trade. But the responses that you give are still not clearing up, and we still don't have any type of reasoning why you played so poorly. No one can tell us that but you, and you have not done it. So I I don't buy a lot of the things that he said um, with those comments. I just feel like, you know, you say these things like they're things that are programmed or someone has kind of handed to you or nudged you a little bit and said, look, no, say this, say that, say this. Again, as a professional athlete, when you have a poor season, it's incumbent, in my opinion, upon you to take the wherewithal to try and improve on that. And a lot of times I feel like you will be better served to do that with the same unit that you had that poor season with, as opposed to bailing and moving on to another situation. Yeah, he said the team even played harder for Jalen Hurts. Absolutely, because he stuck it out. And in in a small way, he's the rookie. He didn't have anything to lose, but he went out there and he played. He gave it his all. He made mistakes. He went and talked to the coaches. He talked to his teammates to try and see things. And, And it showed even when he got benched for Nate Sudfeld late in that last game of the season, he was confused. He was talking to his teammates. He's like, yo, I have no idea why this happened. Like, I'm doing what I can out here. I'm trying to be the best quarterback that I can be, to put this team in the best position to win on the field. And then there must be some other things going on because I'm confused as to how I got benched for Nate Sudfeld. Ultimately, it came out that they wanted to lock up that number six pick, which they did in that loss. But nonetheless, I think the moxie that Jalen Hurts portrayed in his four games gathered and rallied the troops around him, as opposed to Carson Wentz playing poorly, not owning up to his poor play, and the troops kind of looking at him like, look, dude, um, yeah, okay. You want to play like that? All right, well, we just going to go out there and go through the motions. We're not going to support you if you're not going to support yourself. It's kind of the way I felt. And and that's where I am with that, folks, um, on that issue. So, moving along, I want to get into this Deshaun Watson uh, issue. Like I mentioned in the opening on earlier in the show, I mentioned that I briefly mentioned about the uh, racial uh, instances or incidents that were going on around the country centered around the Asian communities. Uh, Octavius Green says, I blame all of this on 
ex on the ex head coach, bro. He mismanaged the whole thing. I agree, and I never said that um, there was an um, an excuse for Doug Peterson. I, when I mentioned when this thing first started, I mentioned that there were several angles that played a part in this role, in this whole situation. I just was a little disturbed that Carson Wentz never took accountability for his actions and his play. But I agree with you, Tay. Um, yeah, the ex-coach didn't handle that very well at all. Like I mentioned, if you were going to bench him, I felt like you should have benched him earlier in the season to see where he was, see where his competitive nature was in practices and trying to get himself back on the field, and then you would move on from there. So there again, I agree with you where he mismanaged the whole thing. But getting to this uh, Deshaun Jackson issue, like I said, I mentioned the um, racial tones in sports with the anti-Semitic comments from Myers Leonard last week. He has done, hence been traded. And then we had these incidents around the country um, with the attacks and everything, the violence towards uh, Asian folk. And now we see how, like I always like to say, the major conglomerate the NFL wants to control the narrative. Deshaun Jackson is making it a big point that he is adamant that he wants out of Houston. And now it's come to the point where he wants to be out. He tells them he's not going to play for them anymore. They're insisting that he is going to play. They're not trying to really move him. They're trying to uh, stonewall him, if you will. Um, Octavius says, funny how this BS in Houston comes out when he wants to leave, but I'll wait to pass judgment. He could be a crump. Absolutely. We don't honestly know what happened, but it's just surprising how now he's adamant about leaving your organization and then all of these stories come out. Um, it was initially reported that there were four lawsuits and there are more that have come out and it's up to now seven. Um, there are things, he says, that the sexual harassment against a massage therapist um, there are things that he said, said that he has done, and I'm not going to go into detail about what they say he did, but it's just funny how he wants to be removed from that situation. And now, all of a sudden, he's made it perfectly clear that he does not want to play and will not play for Houston again. Now, all of a sudden, they're at wit's end because they, Octavius, guess this, they mismanaged it and did, didn't work enough to try to facilitate a trade now he's um, he's demanding out and now all of a sudden these harassment suits come up it's pretty funny how that played out so you know like octavia said we don't know um the full extent of what went on in those situations we just know what's being reported to us but it's just amazing how all of this is coming out now if this was the case, and I'm playing devil's advocate here, if this was the case, why didn't this come out in the very beginning when he initially said that he wanted to move on from Houston? Wasn't done there. You tried to stonewall him, and you keep putting out reports as far as the organization side saying that they're not in the, in the mood of trading him. They're not looking to move him. He will be a Houston Texan. And he's telling you, no, I won't. As a... As a player that has representation he has that right and now all of a sudden these 
allegations and these lawsuits have popped up. It's just strange. Like I always say, and I thank Dr. Jason Carthen from way back when, when we spoke to him on our show, and he talked about controlling the narrative. And we said that in any way possible, the NFL, the major conglomerate, is going to save face and they're going to want to control the narrative. And I think partly this is what they're doing here with all of these uh, lawsuits coming out. Um, he said, and this to me, and this, and this, excuse me, and this is the Me Too era. Why did they wait to come out? Absolutely. That's my whole point. Why did it wait till now to come out? So, you know, it's just funny how I said uh, last week when we talked about Myers Leonard, and I tell you the racial aspects in sports is, is around. You don't see it all the time, but it is around. You got two instances now that showed you and proves that it still is around in a way. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying that this is a racial thing with Deshaun Jackson, I mean Deshaun Watson, but it's something. Because now all of a sudden, these lawsuits are coming, and now it's up to seven. Like I said, it started out with three or four, and then there's been three more added. Now it's up to seven. So, yeah, it, it, it's something going on there that we will probably never get the full gist of. And it's just weird and strange how this has come about. Uh, lastly, before I get into my Sixers talk to close out the morning, I want to talk about the NCAA. We all know the NCAA, another major conglomerate who likes to control the narrative, and we know how they treat the male athletes. So we have Coach Tara Vanderveer of Stanford, women's basketball, women's head basketball coach at Stanford, who called out the NCAA for blatant sexism. And I quote some of the things that she says. A lot of what we have seen this week is the evidence of blatant sexism. This is purposeful and hurtful. I feel betrayed by the NCAA. I call on university presidents and conference commissioners to demand accountability who made these decisions and why, end quote. There are, as we know, there are blatant disparities between the men's and women's college basketball team tournaments. We look at the gift bags that were given. We look at the weight room, excuse me, the facilities. Not up to par in regards to the women as what the men get. Okay. Uh, Dawn Staley is also a very, very prominent voice in this whole situation. Uh, let's see. Tara Vanderveer also goes on to say, women athletes and coaches are done waiting, not just for upgrades of a weight room, but for equality in every facet of life. Seeing men's health value as a high, at a higher level than that of women, as evidenced by different testing protocols at both tournaments, is disheartening. With the obvious disparity between the women's and men's tournaments, okay, the message that is being sent to our female athletes and the women across the world is that you are not valued at the same level as your male counterparts. This is wrong and unacceptable. I definitely agree. 
I, I felt this way with the NBA um, a year ago when they were going through their collective bargaining agreement. And we talked about it on the show, how their travel and their hotel stays and things of that nature were subpar. How the disparities were presented in the bubble. When the NBA went to the bubble last year, then the WNBA, their sister organization, followed into the bubble and didn't get the same treatment. You had players that talked about how mistreated they felt as professional athletes. We already knew about the pay, but it got deeper than that. So I applaud Tara Vanderveer for publicly standing up and vocalizing and wanting to hold these presidents and commissioners accountable for what they're doing, for their disparities. It's downright disrespectful in my opinion. It needs to change because these women give just as much effort as the men in their own right. And they should not be treated as lesser individuals than the way they are being treated. Um, I applaud Dawn Staley for also voicing her opinions and standing up for her team and her and the ladies um, in these amateur and professional sports realms. Because they're not treated the same. We all know that. But it's hit home now. It's gotten deeper. And like Tara Vanderveer says, it's blatant sexism where the women are treated less as individuals than the men are. And it needs to stop. Because now the women get paid to play with the WNBA. They go on to be go overseas and play. But here, in this college tournament, which is arguably the greatest moment in a lot of these college players' careers. I mean, hell, look at it. How And think about it. How many times do you say or could you say that you played in an NCAA tournament? It's the time of your life. I mean, it's one thing to say, I play for a big-name college. But then again, it gets bigger when you can say, I played in the NCAA tournament. The biggest sports time of the year. You played in that. You had a part in that. But, oh, I was mistreated. I, I wasn't treated as the men were. The men got super hype bags, swag bags as gifts. We got eh, just regular old average bags. The guys stay in five-star hotels. We're staying in quality inns. I think it should be the same. Because like I said, these women, these young ladies, put in as much effort to get where they are as the men do. So they shouldn't be treated any different. It's the same institution. Stanford has a men's basketball team and a women's basketball team. Tara Vanderveer is a Hall of Fame coach. For her to see this and her to speak out on this is emphatic. And I applaud her once again for speaking out. I applaud Dawn Staley for having a voice in this entire situation. I'm hoping that they can spark and get more coaches to get involved. I'm hoping Tara Vanderveer's wish can come true where these commissioners and officers in the NCAA 
commissioners in these particular conferences or whoever made these decisions will hold themselves accountable or accept accountability for their decisions. We'll see. But again, I applaud and I hope that things get better for the women because it needs to. Like I said, they put in just as much effort and time as the young men do and they should be rewarded just the same. Finally, folks, moving on to our NBA talk. We're going to talk some Sixers. Okay. Before I get into that, I want to mention something that's on the top of my mind. It's on my chest and I have to get it out. About a week ago, we all saw a week and a half ago, we saw the injury to Joel Embiid. It's going to be out two weeks. Thankfully for our Sixers fans, there was no structural damage. It's just a bone bruise. He'll be able to return. At the time, he was a, if not the leading candidate for the league MVP. Last week, I saw a report by an NBA reporter who basically, in a nutshell, was claiming or stating that because of Joel Embiid's injury, that he has pretty much knocked himself out of the MVP race, which I think is bullcrap. His season is not over. He will return and play a decent amount of games before the season is over. So in my opinion, the way he was playing, the proper rest, the proper regimen and, and uh, you know, rehabbing that injury, I feel like he can come back and continue that progress he had and get himself back in the race. There was a reporter that said that. I'm not going to get that reporter's name. You can Google it or search it or whatever. I'm not going to give his name because I'm not going to give him the light of day for that. But now I see over the weekend, LeBron James suffered a high ankle sprain. The words that are used in regards to his injury and his timeout are indefinitely. Joel Embiid went out, they said two to three weeks, which means he'll return. LeBron James's injury, high ankle sprain, out indefinitely, which means we don't know. Yeah, Tay, you know exactly who it was. We don't know what they don't know when he'll be back, which causes some things some issues for the Lakers in their pursuit of repeating as champions. And I know it's only Monday, but I have yet to hear anyone say that he's now out of the MVP race. The disrespect for my Sixers is beginning to get under my skin. I don't understand it. I'm not feeling it. There's no difference well, yeah, there is a difference. Like I mentioned, Joel Embiid injured out two to three weeks. So we know he's coming back. You can go through the schedule and kind of get a read and see, oh, he'll be back maybe this game and that game. And I've done that. So it looks like he may come back either the Lakers game or the Clippers game after missing about six games. When you use the word indefinitely, for one, it leads me to believe that you don't know when this team is coming back. Yeah, he says, I hate him. He's always going to, he's going to make excuses for LeBron. Absolutely. 
when you use the word indefinitely, it just leads me to believe and clicks that light onto my head that you're on. It's a very, it's a lot of uncertainty there, and you don't know when or if he'll return for the season. So again, does that take him out of the MVP race? In my opinion, hell yes, because like I said, we don't know. If or when he's coming back. That word indefinitely is major. Major. Anthony Davis is already out. And they use that same word with him. Indefinitely. So how can you justify saying that Joel Embiid, who was in my opinion the front runner for the MVP when he got hurt, to going into missing six to eight games and then being able to return. So we know a timetable when he'll make a return. And on the other hand, with LeBron James being injured, indefinitely, we don't know if or when he'll return. So how is that not removing him from the MVP race? I don't get it. I don't understand. But like I said, some things have got to change. And I just feel like the way Joel has been playing, the way the Sixers have been playing, I think that he is going to have some more to prove when he returns. So, NBA, watch out. Because when the big fella comes back, it's on and cracking. The same way when the Nets ended up with Kyrie Irving and then getting Kevin Durant, then they made the change, the trade for James Harden. And even prior to the trade for James Harden, they were instantly picked as the number one seed in the East, the number team to come out of the favorite, the eyes-on favorite to come out of the East. Still one game behind the Sixers, who have held it down for 60 days they've been in the number one spot. And it's been bouncing back and forth between two down to a half. I think the lead is now a whole game now. But the Sixers are the front runners right now. If the season ended today, the Sixers would be the number one seed in the East. Again, like I say, we took that hard loss to the Bucks. We took it to overtime, though. One of our star players, our main star, was out. It would have helped if he had played, but we got them two more times. And again, I say, as I have been saying, the Bucks and the Nets don't scare me. Speaking of that, Again, the NBA trade deadline is coming up. It is Thursday, the 25th. Or is that Friday? Whatever the 20th, whatever day it is, but it's the 25th. A lot of rumors and a lot of speculations about the Sixers. There are a lot of trades that have been speculated, a lot of names that have been floated around. And I honestly think that Daryl Morey is working on the trade. I also honestly think that he is trying to get another team involved because we have parts that teams might begin to ask for that are intricate parts of our success right now that they do not want to get rid of. They want to add to that and make this thing better. So I still believe that something will be done. I just haven't heard much of anything yet. And I'm okay with not hearing anything right now. It just leads, you know, that, that old saying, no news is good news. There could be something brewing. There could be something on the table. There could not be. But I, I think 
my gut is my gut feeling is that there will be a move made. And I think that it will be something that will help this team get further than where they already think the unit they have will get them. So just real quick, some trade scenarios that were put out um, in, in regards to the Sixers. And first, um, you know, in assessing what could go on, there's a report that said that some of these players are the players that could be dealt, that have been in rumors to be dealt. Danny Green, Terrence Ferguson, Mike Scott, Vincent Poirier. I know a lot of people have been tough on Danny Green, but I think within the last four or five games, I think he's starting to find his way. New team, new system, new teammates. But I think he's starting to find his way in doing his job as he's labeled as the 3 and D. He showed it the last two games with his defense. So I think this assessing his name might be beginning to be halted or pulled back in some of these things. Uh, the Terrence Ferguson's that are not playing, the Vincent Poirier's, no issues with them. Mike Scott issue, uh, the only thing I can say about that is it, it just feels like his name is coming up because it may just be time to move on, to free that, to free that cap space, to make some other moves. Um, hasn't been consistent in his play due to injuries. And there's no disrespect. I mean, I like Mike Scott. I really like Mike Scott. But it's, again, like I said before about some other people in, in this area and teams that players that were here on different teams and coaches that were here, it might just be time to move on. The marriage might have run its course. That's all I'm saying. So there's no disrespect to Mike Scott. I think it might just be time to move on from that. So first, the blockbuster, if you will, the Sixers and the Raptors. The Sixers would end up with Kyle Lowry. And, you know, all of these trades, folks, that I'm giving you these names and things, and you know, in the NBA, these trades, the money has to match up in order for these trades to go through. So the alleged blockbusters, Kyle Lowry coming to the Sixers, coming home, and the Raptors would get Tyrese Maxey, a 21 first-round pick, a 25 first-round pick, top 20 protected, and conveys to two future seconds, Danny Green, Mike Scott, and Terrence Ferguson. That right there, I think, is too much. Uh, because you lose a lot in that. So, unless they can get a third team involved in that, where that third team would be the one providing the young talent to Toronto, I don't think that, in that particular instance, and in what I just read to you, I don't think that would happen. That's a bit much, in my opinion. Um, another trade, Sixers would get Larry Nance. Cleveland Cavaliers would get a 21 first-round pick, a 23 first-round pick. Mike Scott, Terrence Ferguson, and Tony Bradley. In my opinion, too much for Larry Nance Jr. Too much. I wouldn't do that. Uh, the next one, the Sixers and the Kings. The Sixers would get Bielica, who they had coveted before. The Kings would get a 21 second round via the Knicks a 24 second round, and Mike Scott. I think in that situation, if you could throw maybe a Terrence Ferguson and Vincent Poirier in to complete that deal, I would do it. In that particular instance, I would 
hold on the mic, Scott. Because we're talking about Nemanja Belica, the 21 second and the, and the 24 second round pick, I think, would suffice. But arguably, because of free agency and the money that he signed for, they might have to throw another player in there. In that instance, I would try to substitute maybe Terrence Ferguson, uh, someone else, for and take Mike Scott out. We'll see. One that I like, Sixers would get George Hill. The OKC would get a 21 first. Mike Scott and Tony Bradley. I would like to, again, like I said, Mike Scott is in this because I think the time has come and the money he's making would help in these trades. Um, if you have to move Mike Scott for that, I'm okay with that. But the way Tony Bradley has stepped up and played, I would possibly try to put in Terrence Ferguson or Vincent Poirier to take Mike, take Tony Bradley off or take Mike Scott off. But again, like I said, Mike Scott's name is coming up because of the same feeling I believe that I have. It might just be time. And his play, his injuries uh, have not had him be that useful to us. Um, the Sixers will argue will possibly or more than likely be reluctant to move Shake Milton, Tobias Harris, and Steph Curry. Definitely reluctant to move Shake Milton and Tobias Harris the way Tobias Harris has been playing um, over the last few games. Seth Curry just got caught. Um, I think his name is off the table because we see what he can give us. He just got caught in that COVID-19 situation where it slowed his progress with the rest of the team. So, that being said, it's going to be interesting to see what goes down and how this plays out moving towards uh, the trade deadline, folks. Like I said, we've got three days. Uh, I haven't heard a lot as of late, but I also have heard that there have been uh, issues where the Sixers won the third team involved in some of these deals where they won't have to give up some of their young talent that, again, I say has been an intricate part in what they're doing and an intricate part in their success right now. So, that being said, folks, we close out with schedules for tonight for the NBA, NHL. I already given you have given you the uh, NCAA tournament, and I'll give you some spring training baseball scores. Moving along, I, I appreciate the guys that commented, Octavius Green Jr., uh, George Lynch. I'm sorry, not George Lynch. I'm still thinking of Carolina. Then Deep Lynch, I apologize for that. Dennis Lynch, uh, Quan, Cuzzo for tuning in. Thanks, everybody, that tuned in. For everyone else that tuned in that really didn't have comments, I hope you enjoyed the show. And here are your schedules for tonight. We start off with the NBA. The Kings are at the Cavs, Thunder at the T-Wolves, Hornets, Spurs, Raptors, Rockets, Jazz, Bulls, Celtics, Grizz, Pacers, Bucks, Hawks, Clippers. NHL, Sabres, Rangers, Blues, Golden Knights, Oilers, Canadians, Avalanche, Coyotes, Hurricanes, Blue Jackets, the Islanders and the Flyers, the Kings and the Sharks, the Flames and the Senators, the Ducks and the Wild, the Jets and the Canucks. Finally, and Major League Spring Training Baseball, the Cards and the Marlins, Orioles and Pirates, Mets and Astros, Red Sox and Rays, Braves and Twins, 
Brewers and Indians, Tigers and Blue Jays, Giants and White Sox, D-backs and A's, Padres, Royals, Cubs, Angels, Rangers, Rockies, Phils and the Yankees, and the Dodgers and the Mariners. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Sports Web Podcast right here on Heat 100 Radio. You know where to find me in the group right here where we are live on Facebook, Sports Web Podcast, on Instagram and Twitter at SportsWrap underscore 